Welcome to Cookbook Club. We are home cooks from Portland, Oregon. I'm Sarah Gray. And I'm Renee Wilkinson. This week, we're talking about Now and Again by Julia Tertian. Julia Tertian, a cookbook club favorite. She's an American cookbook author based in New York who wrote quite a few cookbooks with big names like Mario Batali and Gwyneth Paltrow before striking out on her own. Now and Again is her second cookbook published in 2018. Oh my gosh, we have so many stories to share about this book and we have a lot of thoughts on the recipes. So I think we should just go ahead and dig in. Julie Tertian wrote this book second after the like smashing success of Small Victories, which is her first one. But this book is structured quite a bit differently. It's all built around menus. It's like a whole meal with three or four components for each, or in some cases more than four components for each sort of menu. And then it's also arranged seasonally. So within each season, there's generally like sort of a breakfasty thing, sort of a lunchy thing, sort of a dinnery thing, and some other things in there. So it's definitely laid out a lot differently. I think I've owned this book since it came out because I loved Small Victories so much right away. Um, And it really took me a while to start cooking from it because I found the menu thing a little overwhelming at first. Yeah, it is kind of tricky when you look at the table of contents because I, I love the concept that it's seasonal and there's all these different menus to choose from that kind of align with celebrations you would have during those seasons. But it is tricky to be like, okay, I need a side dish. Where's the side dish section of the book? That doesn't really exist in this book. Well, I have also owned this book since it came out because when Julia Tertian came to Portland, where we're based, she had a book launch event at Jacobson Salt, which is a local salt producer, which has amazing salt, by the way, not a sponsored (laughs) (laughs) blurb. But she hosted an event there and it was a cooking workshop, like a cooking workshop hosted by Julia Tertian, where you made a full menu from the book. So cool. And we made the Sunday morning Bangladeshi breakfast, which was fabulous. So I went with a couple people from Cookbook Club, Monica and Emily, and then Rebecca from Cookbook Club. And it was one of the first events that we had all gone to outside of just meeting for Cookbook Club. So it was kind of like new friend zone. And when we were there, we picked up a new cookbook club member, (laughs) Melissa Chan, because we were there totally goofing off during the workshop and like not following the directions (laughs) and like getting distracted, trying to distract Julia Tertian with like total side topics. Someone heard us talking about our cookbook club and Melissa was like, a cookbook club? I want to be a part of that. And so we started talking with her more at the event and she ended up becoming one of our like heavy hitters in Cookbook Club. Yeah. And also Eliz from Cookbook Club was at that event, which we didn't learn until later when she joined Cookbook Club. So it was so kind funny. of like a meeting of the minds there over That's over Julia Tertian. Part of our mythology. It was super fun. <laughs> we also uh, recently all cooked from this together on a spring retreat. Our first annual spring retreat. That's right. So we all went away and we decided to cook from this one because it was sort of familiar mm-hmm. for a, a lot of us, but boy, did it work out well. Yeah, when you have eight to 10 grownups going on a trip together, the meals have to get structured in some kind of way. So we decided to make a sign up list. And whoever wanted could sign up for whatever meals and maybe even make like little teams in case more than one person wanted to contribute to a meal like Saturday night dinner. And it just happened a little bit naturally where people ended up just going to this book and picking an entire menu from it. Actually, Chelsea from Cookbook Club recreated the Sunday morning Bangladeshi breakfast all on her own. It was so good. It was delicious. That menu includes uh, scrambled eggs with coconut cilantro chutney, which is a really fun, bright way to, you know. It's so unusual, but it was really delicious. It was really good. Then she also made the whole wheat and cumin flatbreads, which I think are really delicious and pretty easy to make. And then the mango with cardamom syrup and pistachios. 
You also made an entire menu from this for our spring retreat, Brunch for a Crowd. Yes, I made the Brunch for a Crowd, which is a menu that I've made multiple times. So it's a cantaloupe with salt and lime juice, which is like so easy to prepare, but like just adds enough unexpected to it that it's like kind of a treat. There's a spiced banana bread Mm -hmm. that has whole wheat flour in it. And so it it tastes a little bit more breakfasty. It's not so like cakey like banana bread can be. There's a slab frittata that has ricotta and mushrooms in it. It's really tasty. I remember that turned out really good. It was really good. When I've tried to make a slab frittata or like a sheet pan frittata, I always have kind of mixed results. But that one turned out she delicious. She does call for you to do it in a like rimmed baking sheet, which I just don't think is realistic. So I think I made it in a nine by 13. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's good. It's really good. And it's simple. That's something about this book in general that I feel like half of the recipes are like dead simple, mm-hmm. like cantaloupe with lime and right, salt. Right. That takes five seconds. Right. But that's also kind of the genius of how the menus are built, because you're realistically not going to want to make five things that are all incredibly complicated. Right. So you need like one or two things on that menu that are going to be dead simple. That's really just right. arranging an assembly. And that's kind of the genius of the menu format is that she's thought through those things. So she hasn't put five high intensity recipes in one menu. Mm-hmm. I think I really like that sort of like advanced planning thing where it's like she's already thought this through. And even on some of them, she gives you like a little bit of a timeline, like start with this thing first and then move on to this. That is really nice. I forgot to mention the cabbage salad. Oh, yeah. It's on that brunch for a crowd menu. Is it the one that has does it have toasted cumin seeds in it? Yeah, it's oh, like it's, it's so good. It has multiple. It has cumin seeds and fennel seeds and garlic and and you like roast them until they pop in olive oil and then you use that as the base for the dressing Uh and then it has feta and herbs like tons of herbs like parsley and cilantro and then green and red cabbage it's so good I have made that recipe before. I don't think I've used the cabbage mix. I've just gone all with one. And you eat that with the slab frittata and the um, spiced banana brown bread and the cantaloupe. It's a really nice balanced menu. That was a great breakfast that you Mm -hmm. made because it was, yeah, it was so balanced. Like everything was just so good. Like the the cabbage just felt kind of like clean. And then the cantaloupe was just like a nice palate cleanser, sweet end to that meal. Yeah. That was a good one. It was good. For Saturday night dinner, me and a couple people made the card night enchiladas. So good. I felt like the method on the enchiladas was interesting. You basically roast the peppers and the tomatoes and stuff like that on a sheet pan. And then when you're done, you blitz it all up to make the sauce, Okay, which I thought was fine. Um, It was certainly very flavorful. And but it's a little bit time consuming. Yeah. And I guess I'm just kind of a lazy enchilada maker, (laughs) but it was delicious and it was nice to make something special for people who really appreciate it. So it's a simple recipe, but very solid. It was delicious and it was so colorful. Like it's got like the cilantro and the red onions, like the thinly sliced red onions on top. It's just like so beautiful. Yeah. What a treat to sit down to that meal. I think Melissa made the shrimp with tequila and lime, Mm -hmm. which was also another really simple recipe, but really good ingredients and tasted delicious. I made the kale salad with pepita dressing. That was really good too, I thought. I thought it was fine. Okay. So I'm glad that, Yeah. I mean, that's always interesting when we sit down and talk about these recipes because usually I'm harder on the ones that I made myself. I'm like, I don't know if I would make that one again. (laughs) It didn't really seem to like knock my socks off, but it was certainly a great compliment to enchiladas. And then what I loved from that menu was the toasted coconut cake. Oh my God, that was so good. It was so good. 
So good. And in part, I was inspired to make it because she had just had something on Instagram about that cake. And she said she made it again. And she realized how it didn't have enough sugar in the recipe. Oh, right. It only calls for like half a cup plus a tablespoon or two of sugar, which for a whole cake is not really that not much. Really enough, yeah. And her Instagram post felt really validating to me because she was like, oh, I remember I was dieting when I wrote that cookbook and whatever. Cake is sweet. It should just cake is cake. Just make it more as sweet sugar. as it should be. Yeah. yeah so I made a note in my cookbook to add a little bit more sugar to that. And I did. And I thought it tasted fabulous. It's a little bit of a technical cake because you have to whip the whites for a long time okay. and like gently fold things in. But those steps were so worth it because it's, it's so, so worth light it. and yes. fluffy. Oh, man, that was good. I would make that cake again in a heartbeat. Totally worth it. It would be great in the spring for basically like any occasion. And then to have a little toasted coconut. Yeah. Like chips on the top. Yes. Oh, my gosh. It was so pretty. Yes, we did not need like yet another dessert at that weekend. We really we, deserted it out. <laughs> yeah, but, <laughs> we took it to 11. But we all packed it in anyways. I think we agree this is a, a strong cookbook for when you're cooking for a crowd or just company or whatever. It's nice to have a menu that's like already been thought through. Everything sort of pairs together nicely. There's also, I mean, the now and again part of this book is there's also suggestions for how to use the leftovers mm -hmm. into something else, which is pretty cool. I haven't done a lot of them, but every time I have, it's been like kind of a win. Yeah, I've used definitely a few of her ideas for how to repurpose the leftovers from each of the recipes in the book. And they have worked. I also really love that that's just kind of an ethic of Julia Tertian's in general is to not waste food. Yeah, and I, I like that a lot. Can completely get behind that. She even has a list at the back because, you know, Julia Tertian loves her list. She and loves we love them lists. too. Yeah. So she has seven things to do with leftover wine, with cooked rice, with not so new produce. The two lists that I really love, one of them is what to bring when you're invited to dinner. That's a classic one. So thoughtful. Mm -hmm. I mean, great ideas in there. And then another one is seven things to delegate, meaning to dinner guests who come over. Yeah, that's great. That's also really helpful if you have maybe perhaps a family member in your life <laughs> <laughs> who maybe doesn't always think of things to bring or ways to help. Right. They're really nice things in there that are very And even easy. if you have people in your life who do want to help, it's not always easy to think about what could I give them to do? Well, it's another piece of like mental labor. Right. Like if you're hosting Thanksgiving to be like, oh crap, now I have to like think of another thing to tell people to bring. It's nice when someone can right. just offer to bring something. Right. But in this list, it's like, okay, great. I need you to right. fill up yeah. everybody's waters yeah. or I need you ice to or whatever. Yeah, yeah. bring over ice, mm -hmm. bring over bread. Yeah. Let's oh, see. one of the things to bring when you're invited to dinner that I loved was a bottle of really good olive oil. Oh, yeah. Yeah. What a nice thing for somebody to bring you. Yeah, because you, you, we always have a hard time buying that kind of stuff for ourselves, right. I think. Or like bread and salt, like mm -hmm. bring a really good loaf of bread, but also a really good thing of oh, salt. Man. Oh, so fun. Just like really awesome basics. Yeah. On the delegating list, I love that she says like one of the things you can delegate is either bring dinner the night before a holiday or breakfast the next day. That's very... Great. Because, yeah, that's always when you're just, like, exhausted or freaking out or trying to plan everything. It's just too much. Yeah. Another great idea on what to delegate is taking out the trash, yeah. which I love. <laughs> totally. Like, also, if you're in a really urban area and you're on, like, a fourth floor walk up, right. like, send your guests home with your bag of garbage so they can just, like, <laughs> drop it in the bin on right. their way to their right. back home. So true. Did you see the one about music? Yeah. I love that. Have somebody handle the music. Have yes. somebody handle the alcohol or the flowers. Mm -hmm. Bring flowers. Take care of it. Great ideas. I love it. Way to go, Julia. 
So there, it's great for entertaining. Um, we definitely experienced that on our retreat that we did together. Um, I have used some of these for entertaining, but there's also some of these recipes and menus that I have used just like sort of in my regular rotation at home. I would say the one that I cook the most often is the chili and cornbread lunch menu. It's so good. So it's a chicken and black eyed pea chili. That takes about an hour start to finish. It's mostly hands off. Then there's a skillet cornbread with cheddar and scallions, which is the best skillet cornbread. It's so, so good. That takes about a half an hour, mostly hands off because it's in the oven. And then you make a romaine and celery salad. And you make your own dressing. So it's like from start to finish, it all takes one hour because they nest inside. So it's Uh like you start the chili, you put it on to simmer. Then you start the cornbread, you put it in, then you make the salad while the cornbread's going. And then it's like chili's done, cornbread's done, salad's done, like all at once. Nice. It always makes me feel so organized when I can execute that menu. So tell me more about the chicken and black eyed pea chili. Is it, are they cooked beans or are they dried beans? You use cooked beans. I think she calls for canned, but I usually cook them myself. Someone in our cookbook club has made this chili in the instant pot and used just dry beans and that has worked fine. Okay. Um, Black eyed peas cook fairly quickly compared to other beans from dry. So if you're pressure cooking, I think you can get away with that. I've not made it in the Instant Pot, but I have done the black eyed peas in the Instant Pot while I'm doing my prep. Black eyed peas cook relatively quickly in the Instant Pot, so you don't have to have a whole lot of lead time on them. Okay. So they cook up quick and then you can just throw them in. It has, um, it calls for chicken thighs and you just like cut it up into pieces. You season it with a little bit of like paprika and garlic powder mm-hmm. and salt. And then you cook that up, add a bunch of veggies. It's really good. Add the black eyed peas. I've also made that with black beans before. If I didn't have black eyed peas, just like a can of black beans totally works. Okay. So that's a delicious recipe and everybody likes it. It has chunks of chicken in it, which is kind of nice. I feel like a lot of times a chili has ground meat in it mm-hmm. and it just feels like a little bit classier with like the chunks of chicken thigh in it. And it's like okay. really moist because it's thighs. Then that skillet cornbread it's just like so good. So you put the skillet, you like you put the skillet in the oven and get it really hot. Mm-hmm. And then you dump like half a stick of butter in there. Oh, and let well, it melt. <laughs> yeah. And then you dump the batter in, which is just a cornbread batter. But you stir in a bunch of sharp cheddar and okay. then scallions right into the batter. Uh-huh. And so it's like really dense and wonderful. And it gets this like nice crust on it because of the butter in the hot skillet. Mm. So that's really, really good. Are you, are you using a cast iron skillet? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then the romaine and celery salad is really good. It's like you cut the celery up really finely. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just giving you like a layer of crunch throughout and the romaine's already crunchy. Mm-hmm. And then you make sort of like a homemade ranch dressing. That sounds really good. It's so good. And it's like, you know, she's thought through that menu. So it's like you have the sort of richness of the chili, but there is some acid in there. She has you at the end of that chili recipe, she has you pour in some brining liquid from pickled jalapenos. Oh, interesting. So it gets like a nice acidic, like it's not spicy, but it like really adds a punch of acid and like brightens it up. Oh my God, I want to make that whole so menu you've got right that, now. And then you've got like the really sort of like dense, wonderful cornbread. And then you have like this pop from the salad with the crunch. And so I didn't good. have to plan it. Like she just told me which three things to make. Yeah. And then you make them and they work together well every time. I love that menu. You've talked about that menu so many times over the last couple years at least. I still haven't made it yet because there's so many things in that menu that are not like compatible with our dietary restrictions in our house. But I feel really motivated to make it now because somehow after you like talked through it in that much detail, I can just 
feel how good that yeah. recipe would, it's how good really, that menu really good. would be. I haven't made it for a little while, but I do think that that menu lends itself to any season. Okay. Because it's chilly, it's warm, but it's also like you've got the crunch of the salad. Like you can very easily do it in mm-hmm. the summer too, as long as it's not like 100 degrees. There are a lot of recipes out of this book that I like in a standalone way that I've like plucked out over the years where I haven't made the whole menu. But I just think they're stronger when they're served together. I can totally see that. I've, I have cooked a few one-off recipes from it, but like in a way, why? I mean, <laughs> I, I think that Julia Tertian's strengths are her like thoughtfulness, her practicality, yeah. and that there's like kind of a simpleness to a lot of her recipes, yeah. which is not, I think it takes a really smart recipe writer to come up with simple recipes. Right. And so I think you really have to boil it down to like the essential thing. This book is one that I go to mostly just for entertaining for that reason. Yeah. She has a whole menu in here for Thanksgiving. It's kind of like a simple, almost deconstructed Thanksgiving. I think it's called the No Stress Thanksgiving. Yes. Yeah. One recipe that I really loved to make on Thanksgiving is the maple syrup old fashioned. Oh, yeah. So she has a few beverage recipes in here. And First of all, old fashions are delicious. Maple syrup is delicious. Why not marry the two? (laughs) And so uh, the Thanksgiving after my mom passed away, when my siblings and I got together for the first time without our matriarch there, we kind of came up with new fun ways to reinvent the holiday. And I made a bunch of maple syrup old fashions for everybody. And my brother brought his guitar and we like played music. It just felt like the kids we're like taking over the holiday a little bit, you <laughs> yeah, know, like we yeah. weren't being super responsible and like reverent about everything. Yeah. yeah. So I really love making those, um, especially in the fall at holiday season. Yeah. Or if you're going camping, that would be another good time to make it. Right. One of the menus that I really like in this book is it's called Steakhouse Dinner for Vegetarians. Mm. And that one has the most recipes. And so basically the idea is if you went to a steakhouse and you were a vegetarian, that you would have like an amazing meal because there's all the like accoutrements that go with the steak that are amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's all kinds of like great recipes in there. One of them is a iceberg wedge salad Ooh. with pickled shallots. I really like a wedge salad. I just think it's like such a treat. That's where the maple syrup old fashions are from. Yeah, same menu. The other thing she has on that menu are stuffed mushrooms with walnuts, garlic, and parsley, which I have made like a variation of that for our family just with optional walnuts for the person who can't have nuts. Right. The main is the mushrooms, right? Yeah, I I don't know that there really is a main. I mean, those double baked potatoes with horseradish and cheddar would be pretty heavy. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you've got the old fashions, the stuffed mushrooms, the iceberg wedge salad, the charred broccoli with capers and lemon, and then those double baked potatoes followed by black forest cake. Like, sign me up for that dinner. Yeah, that sounds great. Sounds amazing. And again, it's the balance of like right. the crunchy, <laughs> light something to go with the probably right. heavier stuffed mushrooms and... I will say that on that iceberg wedge salad, I really like the pickled shallots on there. I do not love the way she does the dressing on there. I think Julie Tertian makes a lot of dressings that have like kind of a mayonnaise base, Mm -hmm. which is like just not my favorite. This wedge salad with the pickled shallots, but sub in the amazing blue cheese dressing from salt, fat, acid, heat. Oh, yeah. Because it's richer Uh and it it has cream in it, or I think maybe creme fraiche you can sub out. So it's much heavier than this like mayonnaise-based dressing, but I feel like the blue cheese flavor is like a lot more pure in it. That sounds more like a steakhouse to me, too. We're going to take a short break to catch our breath. We'll be right back. 
Dropcloth Samplers is a line of hand-drawn embroidery samplers, printed and ready for you to jump in and start stitching right away. Each pattern is hand-drawn by Rebecca Ringquist in her Portland, Oregon studio, and printed for you to embroider with your own color and thread choices, like coloring book pages, but for embroidery. And with Rebecca's custom classes on Creative Bug, she's with you every step of the way. You can find Dropcloth Samplers on Instagram at Dropcloth or online at dropclothsamplers.com. So the steakhouse, dinner for vegetarians, mm-hmm. the chili and cornbread lunch. Yep. What are some of the other ones that have been heavy hitters Here's in Here's another house? menu I love. The tortilla soup for a chilly spring evening. Okay. Oh my gosh, it's so good. You make the whole thing from scratch. So that one does call for a whole chicken. You break down the chicken and put it in. You make this really nice, spicy, full flavored broth. So it's like a chicken stock, but it also has chipotle peppers in adobo sauce. So like you get that like nice spicy heat. It is so good. And it's not that hard to make. That menu has some nachos for an opener. So it's called simplest and best nachos. It's like a very simple nacho recipe. Some almond horchata, which is pretty good. I think there's a drink recipe on almost every one of these recipes. And then you do this tortilla soup with the works. So it's like a lot of little add-ons, like little tortilla strips and cheese. And tortilla soup is so nice to like kind of load up with all those like little Mm add-ons. And then it's got a dessert that's a pineapple with homemade tagine, which I haven't made that before. But that tortilla soup is really, really tasty. The horchata is really good. The nachos are super easy. That's a fun one. It makes me sad to think that Julia Tertian was dieting when she wrote this cookbook. Because is pineapple a dessert? (laughs) Not for me. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. I think it might be grilled. I think so, too. But still, come on. I I know there's a lot of like fruit dessert in this book. So it does make sense to me that, yeah, maybe she was doing that at the time. As if we're in like the 19th century. (laughs) When like you got an orange and that was like your dessert for the week. Yeah. Another menu that I could shout out... The afternoon tacos, there's a super crunchy limey salad Uh that opens that up. And then you make two different taco fillings. There's a kale and mushroom one and a chorizo and potato one. Mm. Warm corn tortillas or lettuce leaves, lime and hot sauce crema, charred tomatillo and scallion salsa, and then pineapple margaritas. I mean, what a great menu. Yeah, totally. And so it's kind of like almost a little bit like build your own. Yeah. And that sounds like a lot of things, but they're all very simple. Like those are all simple components. That's cool. And then the way to reinvent it with leftovers is to make a taco filling hash or chilaquiles verdes. Yeah. So at the end of each menu, there's a whole section called It's Me Again. And that's where she talks about like, here's the recipes that you're going to make with the leftovers from those original recipes. There's a menu on here. It's called Just My Type of Dinner. She talks a little bit in the head note about Julie Tertian's wife, Grace, has type 1 diabetes. And so they sort of like try to limit carbohydrates in certain sort of specific and strategic ways. And so she talks about how this is a menu that works for Grace. And so this is the kind of dinner they would eat at home. So it stars this confetti meatloaf, Uh which is funny. It's called confetti because there's like all kinds of little chopped up colorful veggies inside of it. So it's got like peppers and onions and it's very bright. Uh It is a turkey meatloaf. Julie Tertian loves a meatloaf and she loves to use ground turkey. I know. I just still don't understand. I think it's pretty good. It's not amazing, but it's pretty good. I think it's stronger, again, in the context of the menu. So you serve the confetti meatloaf 
with this creamy garlic mashed cauliflower, which is sort of like a mashed potato, but it's mashed cauliflower because it's the the like lower car- carbohydrate version. Okay. Then a butter lettuce salad with a shallot vinaigrette, which is lovely and like just acidic enough. And the dessert I really like on this one, it's raspberries with cocoa whipped cream. Which oh. Adding cocoa to whipped cream is like, it's dead simple, but like, why did it never occur to me before I read this? It never occurred to me until you said that. It's so good. And then you're like, oh, it's chocolate whipped cream. Yeah. It's just totally different. And it's really delicious. And it's just over fresh raspberries? Yeah. Okay. Super simple. Love it. But then, so I think that confetti meatloaf is fine, not great, but here's what you do. In her reuse ideas, you make an open-faced meatloaf melt. And she suggests doing it on an English muffin Oh, with cheese on top. And that rocks. Wow. It's so good. So that's my favorite reuse idea in here. And obviously it's like not, she's not the first person ever to suggest that you use leftover meatloaf to make a meatloaf sandwich. But the way she did it just like really worked for me. And I just like that someone takes the brain work out for me, honestly. Like I'm trying to remember enough things. When you're trying to use up leftovers, you are doing the mental labor again of like, okay, what recipe, quote unquote, like it may not be a recipe. It may be something really simple, but just doing that work of like, how are we going to use this up so we don't waste it? Right. She has this menu in the autumn section for Rosh Hashanah dinner, and it includes the celebration chicken with sweet potatoes and dates. That recipe Yum. sounds like really, really delicious and balanced and like perfect for fall when you want something that's like a little bit sweet and kind of deep in flavor. Right. And then it includes a baked saffron rice. There's a beet salad with poppy seed and chive dressing, which I have made before, and it yeah. is really good. And it's really like visually gorgeous because you make the beets and then you make the dressing and just kind of drizzle it over the top and just the colors and the poppy seeds in it look great. But the favorite thing of mine from that menu is the applesauce cake with cream cheese and honey frosting. It is so good. I remember at the Jacobson Salt event, she used a couple different kinds of local honey to make a few different versions of that cake and the frosting. Okay. So you could see them kind of all displayed together, like two or three, and how different the frosting looked based on the honey that she used. That was really cool. That's a recipe that if you are the kind of person who likes cake, but you don't like things that are super sweet, this would be a good one for you. The cream cheese honey frosting almost makes it on the edge of being savory because of the cream cheese. Yeah. If I were to make that cake, I would add more sugar to it because, again, it has a half a cup of sugar and I just feel like that's not enough. Right. So I'd probably add another quarter of a cup and then taste the batter and see if it tasted good to me. That recipe is a total winner. And I remember when the cookbook came out, I saw that recipe just like all over the Internet. Right. Like everybody's Instagram page. People were very taken with that. Yeah. Yeah. That was a good one. So tasty. I like the 4th of July menu. It's like a little bit different than you would expect to eat on the 4th of July traditionally, but I think it's really good. So there's a frozen watermelon aguas frescas, which is kind of like a watermelon slushy that's sweetened with some lime and honey. That sounds so good. And when it's hot, you know, it's so nice. Yes. And not to sound like an alcoholic in this episode, (laughs) but if you had grownups over, I bet that would be great to like make into a, yeah, spike it with something. Yeah, for sure. And then she has a burger, but it's a lamb burger, which she does with grilled red onions. Okay. We really like lamb in our house. And so that that lamb burger has been a, a winner for us. It's just a little bit different. There's a grilled okra and corn with lemon and red chili. Okay. And a cucumber salad, Ooh. just called grandma's cucumber salad. And for dessert, she does a whole wheat berry shortcake. So it's like a whole wheat biscuit, basically, that you make into a shortcake. That sounds really good. Yeah. And so it's just like a little bit different than your sort of standard Fourth of July fare. Yeah. There's like a little Um, bit more interest in sort of each of those menu items. Exactly. 
I know that you bake a ton. How, mm-hmm. how many of the baking recipes have you done from this book? I've made a few of them. I think I was a little underwhelmed by a couple. I'm thinking specifically of the healthy, happy wife cake. In, in the Small Victories book, she has a, a cake recipe. It's a chocolate cake that she sort of dedicates to Grace. Uh-huh. And it's called the Happy Wife, Happy Life Cake. So in this book, she's taking a new tack. So I, what I read was that uh, Grace got diabetes diagnosis in between when she wrote Small Victories and when she wrote this book. Okay. And so she sort of revised that to make it more friendly for like the carbohydrate restrictions that Grace has. So um, the Healthy Happy Wife Cake is much simpler, lower sugar, lower, you know, it doesn't rise super well. The cake uses almond meal. Oh, okay. Insta- so it's gluten-free. The frosting is just dark chocolate and sour cream. It's not Whoa. It's not sweetened. I just thought it was like a little intense. <laughs> that sounds, the frosting sounds kind of intense. Yeah, for sure. And the cake only has coconut sugar in it. Oh, interesting. Instead of cane sugar. Yeah. And so you do, I think you whip the egg whites it's still with that almond flour. It just ends up being like a pretty dense very rich chocolate without a lot of sweet okay. to it. So I didn't love that. But also I, I'd like to acknowledge that you can't really compare this side by side with like that chocolate midnight cake from salt, fat, acid, heat, because she was going for the best cake. Whereas Julia right. here is going for something that works for her wife's health condition. Uh-huh. Anyway, I wasn't totally blown away by that cake. And the other thing that I made that I wasn't totally blown away with is the pistachio mandelbread cookie. I feel that same way. I made it's sort that of like also. a biscotti. Like a mm-hmm. mandelbrot is a like a the Jewish version of biscotti, basically. Mm-hmm. A twice baked cookie yeah, or yeah. biscuit. And it was fine. I thought they were a little dry. I mean, biscotti st- style <laughs> of cookies, they are. Like they're kind of designed to be a little bit dry, but I just thought they were not great. Yeah, I didn't really love the texture on it. I felt like it. there were just other biscotti recipes out there specifically that had a better kind of crumb texture to it. Yeah. And had a better mixture of the goodies inside, you know, like the nuts and the dried fruit or whatever. Right. I remember feeling like these ones were just a little bit dense. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. I'm curious how often you cook from this book. I don't tend to cook from this in the summer a lot, but I think that's not because the recipes are not suited to it. I think it's just because I tend to be busier in the summer and to make a menu is kind of a whole thing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, it takes time to make the whole menu. And like I said, I don't think that any of the recipes are so strong with the exception of that skillet cornbread. Okay. I don't think any of them are so strong on their own. I think they just stand better together, you know, when you make the whole menu. I think that's a great way to summarize it. That was my feeling with like the card night enchiladas. Yeah. Like that's not going to be my go-to enchilada recipe, but if I'm hosting a gathering and I want to use that menu, I would use that recipe again. Right. Because it just folds in nicely with the timing on the other recipes. And right. I, I know it's going to work and I know it's going to turn out nicely. Right. I probably cook from this maybe once every couple months. Okay. I think it is kind of around either when I need to feel inspired by the season that I'm in or when I have company coming over or an event that I'm going to that I want to coordinate with people on making a really great meal. Who do you think this book is a good fit for? That's a good question. I think most of it is simple enough that I think a new cook could handle it. I think it might be a good book for somebody who's sort of like leveling up a little bit and is ready to cook for company because I think this is a good way to sort of dip your toe into like I could make a whole menu as opposed to just making one recipe because I think she really walks you through that a lot. Yeah, I would think this book is great for beginners. I don't think this would be a great cookbook for an advanced cook. Yeah. I don't really know if this book is a great fit for someone who's an intermediate cook, but the asterisk on all of that is this is a great book for people who are curious 
cooks and people yeah. who entertain. Yeah. So if you're an advanced cook and you are busy and you entertain, mm-hmm. you should check out this book because it's going to do the brain work for you. Totally. And it does you know, a lot of that. Yeah, that's worth it. Well, I'm curious, is this a book that has earned its spot on your cookbook shelf? Oh, yeah, it's not going anywhere. I love it. I don't cook from it all the time, but it is so nice to have a planned out menu that's already been thought through that you can just open the page and start cooking. I don't cook from this as much as you do because I don't have a lot of things on my weeknight heavy rotation. But I love the idea that you can just own one cookbook for a specific purpose. Mm -hmm. And this book is my like throwing together a party of some kind. Right. And true to Julia Tertian form, you know, the recipes are simple. The ingredient lists are not long. And so... To be able to put something together on even kind of short notice would be doable out of this book. This is like you're having company over on a Friday night. Yeah. You know, and people are like bringing all their kids and like you've been working all day. Right. Like you can totally pick something out of here. Yeah. Yeah, choose it the day before, get the groceries, and then hit the ground running at 5 o'clock on a Friday to eat at like 6 or 6.30. Absolutely. Well, we sure hope that you'll join us next time when we will be cooking from The Flavor Equation by Nick Sharma. Sarah, why did we pick this book? Super interesting book. It's divided into sections based on different flavor, and it's all about how to combine flavors, and it's got a lot of things going on. It should be a good conversation, so you'll want to make sure to join us for that one. Absolutely. And cook along with us between now and then. Just tag us on Instagram at cookbookclubshow or send us a voice memo or a comment at cookbookclubshow at gmail.com. You can find us online at cookbookclub.show. And remember to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss the next one. And leaving us a review really helps other home cooks find us too. We'll see you next time. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.